What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun, or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat, or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load, or does it explode? Hello and welcome to another episode of the 423 Soccer Pod, the podcast that CFC built. This is Jim, a.k.a. Chattagooter on Twitter. Hey, and this is Todd, a.k.a. Great Footballer on Twitter. So Todd, I did, I, you know, with uh, in recognition, a little bit of recognition of what's been going on around the country. I like to do some cold opens. Normally, it's a sad song when we lose, or it's a, it's a combination of the goals that we scored, like I did before the before the Detroit match. This time, I thought I would go with a poem that I frequently go back to when uh, when things happen around our country. And people start asking questions like, "Why are people burning the? Why are people burning things down? Why are they so upset? Why are those people so angry?" I always go back to Langston Hughes, which is the author of one of my favorite poems, which is the uh, where the title of one of my favorite plays uh, got, or where where that that title came from, and that's Harlem. So I hope you enjoyed that. We'll talk maybe a little bit about that with our guest. Uh, if uh, if if those of you who follow me on Twitter might know. That well, I don't know. I, I guess our interaction was mostly on DM, so you're not going to know this because it was private. But our, our next guest, our our only guest, sent out some. I'm going to ask him about this. Had a couple of tweet threads that went at U.S. soccer, went and went at you the U.S. soccer fan, and I felt seen with one of those. Todd, I don't know if you saw if you saw my response to him, but I'm going to let him talk about that and introduce himself we've got kyle carr from now and also i also want not not the kyle carr it's the other kyle carr um and fans of my people who follow me know that they're going to be shocked todd we have an actual live usl franchise supporter on our podcast and i uh, wait a minute wait a minute this isn't kyle carr the player no no i i no he's not you know we we don't we don't do we don't do players on the podcast, so no. This is see this. This is me wadding up my whole outline, throwing it out. <laughs> all my questions are now void. All right, I'm just going raw with this one. Yep. So we have an actual. Who is this guy? We have a so so he is he is uh he is at Kyle Coche on Twitter, and he is one of the folks that does the forwards backwards pod for Forward Madison. Right. That's right, people. I have a USL franchise supporter now for this this episode i'm going to drop my um rhetorical tool of just referring to those teams as franchises um so he is a u.s he supports a club in in the united soccer leagues forward madison kyle how are you doing and how are things up in wisconsin i'm doing all right uh things in wisconsin 
they're healing, but obviously still a little bit rattled with everything that's gone on in the past couple weeks. Um, I mean, all things considered, I guess I personally am okay, but there's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done. And our legislature has done nothing to help it. So that is my one small political rant that I'm going to go on. But yeah, things are fine. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. And so, uh, you know what? From all the way down here in Tennessee, I'm, I'm going to allow the rant. Yeah, really? Because we don't have any problems with our legislature, right, Todd? No, <laughs> no. They're, they're spectacular. <laughs> so, uh, do they show up to work? Because if they do, they're already doing more than Wisconsin. Yeah, but do we want them to show up, Kyle? That's, that's also fair. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, you know, we, uh, that's, that's enough political talk. I do want to acknowledge, so Kyle and I, like I said, talked to, we kind of went on a DM conversation back and forth, uh, about, about a thread. And so we're going to set aside the conversation, Kyle. I think that's the obvious conversation that I want to spend time on a little bit later is what's going on in Wisconsin, what that means for the larger society, what that means for soccer and how do those things interact? I, 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 you know, really the reason why I started with Langston Hughes is, is really that reason so we'll set that aside just for a second could you talk a little bit about uh what you sent in to that that twitter thread and what uh what what was in your mind and why did you why did you decide to say that about the u.s soccer supporter i don't fully remember what started it it probably was the st louis fc st louis city uh stuff that was happening but I think the biggest issue, and I think the reason why I went on that thread was, I feel like for most U.S. soccer fans, they simply just want the United States of America to have as good of a soccer team as possible. But everyone has their own way. Everyone has their own agenda. Everyone has their own preference on how it can be done. So then when I went on that Twitter thread, it kind of was just... I mean, it was kind of more me poking fun. It's like, okay, you got to be a fan of U.S. soccer. It's got to be local, but it can't be MLS because MLS is evil and garbage the worst, which is 100% true. Then it was, okay, you can't go with USL because, you know, kind of they are in cahoots with MLS. Then it turned into NISA because somehow NISA also, some people might view NISA in a poor light. Like everyone views so many leagues as that's not their own in a poor way. You know, it's, it kind of felt like USL people don't take NISA seriously. Some people in NISA don't take USL seriously. Obviously there's, and then there's always differing, differing opinions, but it just feels like if you're an MLS, it's the top league and everything else. Is not worth watching? If you're, you know, in all these other leagues, you support all these other teams, then it just feels like nothing you can do is going to be good enough. Because there's always going to be someone that's going to not delegitimize your soccer supporting, but that was kind of how it started. That was turning into, well, then if you want to start your own team, that's fine. But then you can't have all these colors because, you know, obviously this was also when St. Louis City had their branding. That was pretty much for me a carbon copy of what Minneapolis City had done with their futures. And then someone was like, okay, well, what about, you know, all these clubs and they're copying each other? And it's like, well, at some point, there's going to be overlap between things that are going to be similar. Obviously, you don't want to take, you don't want to take something from another team that's just a blatant ripoff. But 
you can maybe look at the other team and try and get an idea or get an inspiration. And so that it was kind of just more, that was what started my rant was it felt like everyone is at each other's throats in terms of how they want to support us soccer. And at the same time, I feel like everyone wants it to be, most people want it to be better. It's just that everyone has a different way of getting there. You know, for me personally, I think us soccer could be better if you can just completely get rid of some, if you can completely make it an open system, and if you can make it so that it allows minorities, you know, in the black community, in the Latinx community, in the Hmong community, if it gives a chance for everyone to be involved and not just those in the upper middle class and upper class to play. So it, it, that's kind of where my first tweet thread started. Was just like it just felt like everyone had their own view. And there's no middle ground that could be established. It feels like everyone's fighting. Everyone's fighting for the same cause. It's just how they're fighting makes it seem like it, it can either turn someone off or just they don't want to hear the other side of it. So it's kind of how the first uh, tweet thread started. The second one, we can and we can always revisit that one. But yeah, that's kind of how the first one had happened and what my oh. thought process was. Well, going back to that, you know, you, you talked about how, and, and I've heard Alexi Lawless say it before, that more soccer is better, right? regardless of what league it's in, what uh, it, what team it is, it, it doesn't matter. And I look at the U.S. soccer fan, and you, you kind of alluded to it, you know, a large portion of the fans just want the U.S. in general, and mostly we think about that, we think the U.S. national team would be better. Uh, is there a right way or a wrong way to – to view soccer in this country, in your opinion? I think there are wrong ways. Obviously, you know, if you're going to support a club or if you're going to support any team that morally and ethically are doing shady stuff, then yeah, that's probably not the team you should be supporting. It's not the way that you should go about it. I, so I think there's definitely things that you can do that are incorrect, but I don't think there's a clear cut like 100% a model way. There's no model fan. Like if you if you put something in a lab, you couldn't create the perfect U.S. soccer fan. I think you can take a lot of elements that can go into it, but I don't think there there's you can do more harm than good. I guess is what I would say is there's not really a good way to do it, but there are plenty of bad ways to do it. Well, between between the three of us, like I mean, you're the only one that. Uh, where do you? I, I'm assuming you live in the Greater Milwaukee area. I am currently in. I live in Madison. I grew up in a suburb of Milwaukee. Well, I mean, you're the only one of us that actually maybe live where this scenario could play out. But you know, theoretically, an MLS team could you know come into Milwaukee and you know in that area, and maybe you know they end up putting you know Ford Madison you know, under just by proximity. I mean, that's, I guess, a, a possibility in some ways. And, uh, you know, could you see yourself supporting that MLS side if it meant sacrificing Ford Madison? It would I mean, because I know, I mean, anybody that follows your Twitter feed can figure out that you're a Bucks fan and a Brewers <laughs> fan real fast. Yeah, more definitely on the Bucks. And the less I talk about them right now, the better, because <laughs> it's been a rough, rough playoff series so far. But it... <sighs> I would want I my initially I initially want to say no I wouldn't support this MLS team because it took the team I truly care about the most out. I 
I want to say that, but would I maybe give it a chance? It would depend on the logistics. It would depend on, do I have a chance to maybe start a supporter group and have a supporter group be fostered? Because if I can be involved with a supporter group and that community, then maybe it'll be worth giving it a chance. I Like I said, I initially, I want to say no. And I think it would definitely take time. I think it is the bigger issue. It would definitely take time for me to come around. It would take time for me to embrace said team just because there would be a lot of scarring. It would take a lot of time to recover from it because I mean, the Ford Madison and the flock and Featherstone, I put a lot of hours. So it would, it, it would fill that void if I can find a way to use it for good. But, I mean, I probably would, but it would definitely take time. I think that's what I that's what I realistically think would happen. Ideally, probably not, just because it would be I would view it as this is the team that killed my team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to I'm willing to give St. Louis uh, FC fans some grace. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't want to be the absolute jerk about it, but I, I, I really don't know if I could, you know, I, I get accused by, I get accused by my friend Tim over in, in Asheville of, of being a little bit of a true believer zealot. And, and, but I, you know, I, for me, it's, it's not, it's not about, so I have found a club that, uh, that espouses a mission that I believe in and that's Chattanooga FC. Right. And, and so, you know, he and I talked uh, about this, I, I don't have a desire to be a U.S. soccer fan. I mean, I, that is not a need for me. Um, and so, if there's not if there's if there's not what I need in U.S. soccer, then I don't need U.S. soccer. And so, if if Chattanooga FC were to go away, and this is what this is where I I would just I take support local soccer and just kind of set it aside. If if Chattanooga FC goes away. I'm not supporting the Red Wolves. I mean, it's, I'm, well, it's not, no one should. That's not happening. That's not. I mean, that's not happening. I mean, that that's that's just not happening. So that would that's what support local says, and that that's just that's just not going to happen. And I'm not going to support Atlanta United I, I, or Nashville or whatever the heck they are. I mean, I, you know, I don't need U.S. soccer. Um, I can get my soccer. I can get a, a club that is in the community and and does things in in North London. I could follow them. You know, so uh, I don't have to follow anybody here. And, and you do. And I, yes, I do. I do follow them. But, I, you know, so that's, you know, the thing. And, that's I, you know, I, I think I've said this before. I'm not a NISA fan. I'm a Chattanooga FC fan. Uh, right. NISA happens to be the place that provides my club an opportunity to play. Um, I'm not going to be a USL fan because that league decided that my club was redundant and could be killed. So that's I'm, that's just – uh, USL Delinda S. That is what I put in my Twitter f- handle, and I and I believe it. They can just they can go pound sand for all I care. Um, now somebody you know, so I I I I felt what you were saying. Like I I heard I felt seen. Like I said earlier, um, particularly when you said, "Well, we all want the same shit anyway, right? Why are we Why are we fighting against each other? We all want the same stuff. Do we really? Do you actually think we all want the same thing?" I think in its own backwards way, yes. I think most soccer fans in this country want to see the U.S. men's national team compete globally 
and be considered a good soccer team. That has not happened. There have been spurts where the U.S. men's national team done well in the World Cup. But overall, no, I don't think anyone views American soccer as a contender, as a serious threat, as even a dark horse. It's just they're a bunch of scrappy guys that give it their all, and they don't even do that anymore. Um, so I think most of them have that goal of wanting American soccer to be up there with the Netherlands and Italy and Germany and Spain and England and Brazil and Argentina. That's never going to happen in my opinion, but people want to have that as a goal. And I think because of that, it's more trying to figure out how do we make that goal possible? Some view it as, you know, we got to have pro rel. Some view it as we need to have a very open system. We need to have more clubs. Some view it as our, the top league, AKA MLS needs to be a league that draws in the best players. I, I think everyone has their own, not everyone. I think most people have their own idea of how America can be better at soccer. And the issue is everyone has a different idea, but doesn't have the right, not necessarily right idea, but doesn't have the idea that logistically can be feasible right now in the current iteration of what the U.S. Soccer Federation is. I think that's a pretty good point, laying it ultimately at the feet of U.S. soccer. And really, to that point, since they kind of guide the ship, I mean, you're right. Really, the only thing that matters is how they view soccer in this country and what the goal is. And if their goal is more in line with, you know, developing uh, a team that can compete at the highest levels, then the ends are always going to justify the means. And if, and if, you know, the power players in this game, if uh, MLS owners that are worth billions and billions of dollars, uh, if, if they are the ones co- uh, collaborating with U.S. soccer, which it, it appears by and large they are both uh, on and off the field, then they're the ones that's going to be calling the shots and they're going to be sitting on this D1 status for however long they see fit. Uh, am I like when I look at it? So to me, it kind of boils down to how does U.S. soccer see uh, its mission in this country? I think U.S. soccer sees it right. They saw it as we need to find a way to be competitive, but also make as much money as possible so we can be quote unquote stable. And that's why you see with MLS, with this closed system and these expansion fees, even if that team. So, for example, FC Cincinnati a relatively good team in USL gets the MLS completely shits the bed year one year two, not looking that much better. MLS doesn't really care though, because they've already got the whatever 300 million at the time or 400 or 500 million, however much amount of money in their expansion fee. MLS is good. They got the money. They got stable. US soccer is good. They got another team that they can try and promote and get more people in that market to want to care about because supposedly it is in tier one. So for them, it's more, they got their money. They've got their new quote unquote, new fan exposure. And what happens after that, they don't care. And that's, I think the big issue is with a lot of these expansion teams, how many of them realistically are in it to make soccer better. I don't think there's that many out of the recent ones. Like Atlanta has at least shown they are going to try and put out a good team. 
Minnesota has taken the steps to try and put out a good team. Nashville, we don't know. Miami, not so much because that's just a reward for David Beckham coming to MLS how long ago. And, you know, Austin, it's because it was either that or Columbus was going to be. It's just so many other things with most of these newer teams. I don't know if they're putting it, they're putting their efforts into we want to make soccer better in terms of these are rich owners that have money that they can just throw to the side. And if they ever so choose to sell the team, they're going to make a profit off of it. They're going that the team value is likely going to increase in 10, 15 years because soccer will grow, MLS will grow, US soccer will they'll try and find a way to value it more than it might actually it might actually be. So then for the owners, like, well, that's my investment. I can get rich off of this in five, 10, 15 years. I'm good. So I think that's my bigger concern is with MLS and US soccer is they don't necessarily care about growing the sport. They make, they're more concerned about, can we grow money and be stable, quote unquote stable, even though now it's been, 25 years so at this point you would think they should be stable enough where they don't need to continue expanding and in fact they probably shouldn't be expanding because it's just diluting the product more and more if you're going to continue with the salary cap as well and uh, i guess an example of what you were talking about about the the growth of mls the the franchise valuation Uh, when david beckham was awarded that in his contract so i think beckham came to the league in what oh Eight, something like that. It was like yeah, oh seven, oh eight, oh eight, or something like that. Yeah, so I think I think the the uh, value of a franchise at that time was about twenty million dollars. Was the franchise fee somewhere in that range? Uh, and just a couple of years before, when Real Salt Lake came in, I believe uh, that was an eight million dollar expansion fee. And uh, so now David Beckham, by the time his team actually takes the field, the expansion fee is in excess of three hundred million dollars. So amazing, like how much uh, that his reward of a franchise, uh, you know, just some 10 years later, how much it exploded. And the Real Salt Lake, I think I saw the other day, was probably going to be valued at around 400 million. Uh, Now, that includes stadium and other things, don't get me wrong, but it's amazing how much it has uh, skyrocketed. And especially the Beckham thing just blows my mind. Well, and like the Real Salt Lake owner is going to make all this money because he's a racist asshole. That's, and a, that's, that's an interesting that's uh, way of way of getting rich. Yeah, <laughs> not the way I would do it, but then again, nope. some people they find ways to make it work. Well, Todd, you know, Todd, that's how Ponzi schemes work. You have to get in early because if you get in you get late, early. yeah, you got to get in early. Now, you know, Kyle, I, I I got confused there for a second. You were talking about franchise fees and. And making money off franchise fees and trying to be secure. Are, are you talking Here about USL? Or are you talking about him? It also applies to USL. I mean, it's the same thing where USL, I mean, think about it. If you look at, I'm trying to think, hell, even the USL League One, you look at Greenville, you look at Madison, you look at Omaha, you look at, and I don't want to use Tormento, that's not the best example, but you know, Greenville, Madison, Omaha, the other Chattanooga team that started off completely fresh. They pay this franchise fee. And now you're going to fast forward. If there's a high point, if there's a Portland, if there's Riverside, if there's all these other markets, they're going to end up paying obviously more than what Greenville, Madison, Omaha have paid. And 
it's the same thing with championship. And that's, it's kind of the same thought process as MLS, except it's just in relatively smaller markets. You're still trying to find a new group of soccer fans to quote unquote grow the sport when really it's more you're finding markets that don't have a quote unquote professional team, don't have as high of a level as they could potentially. Because you think of like Baltimore, would MLS ever come to Baltimore? Probably not because they don't think it's a big enough market. USL championship though, that'd be perfect. So that for them, it's like, hey, we have this market that probably isn't going to get MLS, but we can still try and get it professional soccer. Get that investment. Who knows if USL ever does go to pro rel like they keep saying they're going to do. But if they don't, again, it's the same thing as MLS. Those franchise fees just keep increasing. And if the owners actually care, then they, they find a way to make a profit off of that. It's just that's the issues that are there with MLS in terms of growing and expanding could also be moved down to USL as well. Well, and I'll just say, I think it's worse in USL. And, and I, I know that's probably shocking to Todd to hear me say that. Um, the, the, the thing, the thing that, and I spend way too much time thinking about this, Kyle, I'll, I'll freely admit, but the, the one thing that MLS has that USL doesn't, that I, that I will point to as, as a, a benefit for the teams, the teams benefit from you from MLS, right? The teams directly benefit because they are MLS. They, it's single entity. It's, it's, it's upside down in my opinion, where the, Mm -hmm. the, the league owns the clubs instead of the clubs owning the league. But in, in USL, you know, at least at least in MLS, those franchise fees that keep going up, who benefits from getting that money? The other teams benefit, allegedly, right? In USL? In, in a way, yeah. In USL, who benefits from those millions of dollars? That Who benefits from the $10 million franchise fee? Or if that goes up to $15 million, where does New that Rock. money go? New Rock. New Rock. That is that they suck money out of the game. They are here just to, they're they're a franchise seller. I, I know that they care about their franchise. Excuse me, their clubs. I said I wouldn't do that. I apologize. They care about their clubs. They care about quote but unquote. But how growing many the sport. actually do? Huh? That's then that's enough. That's a whole separate issue. I don't know how many of them actually do. Uh, how, how many do what? Care. Oh. How many at New Rock slash upper no, no, levels no. of yeah. USL? Well, I should I should have put air quotes up. They care. <laughs> they care about growing the sport. No, they care about selling franchises. And and maybe I, I know that sometimes I I can um I I I let my uh my anti USL um fervor come out. But that that's my biggest problem with them. I don't have a I don't have a fear of those three letters. You know, USL can mean all kinds of things. It's the fact that they suck money out of the game and they suck money from their franchises and put it in the pockets of some dudes in in Alpharetta, Georgia. And and, and that's my problem. If if and and I will give them credit for this year because they gave some money back to the clubs because of COVID. I mean, a little bit. Right, more than they did the year before, because the year before, right. nothing. So, if the franchise fees coming in was distributed back to the clubs, uh, I would have much less of a problem. But that's never going to happen because that's not that's how they make money, and that's my problem. They suck money out of, and I'll tell you this the same way with my the 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 club I support in the EPL. Stan Kroenke 
I don't know if they did this before. KSE, the owner uh, of of uh, of Colorado and 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 the and the Rams and yep. and Arsenal, they would take a a consulting fee of millions of dollars away from Arsenal. They took money out of the club and put it in their pockets, and that just pisses me off. And that is USL's model, and it frustrates me that fans and that led directly to what i feel was was behind the support the support the players movement when usl stood in front of their clubs and allowed the clubs to hide behind them and tried to take money from the players earlier because of covid what why did they do that they want a lower labor cost they want a lower cost to shove more money now for this it was probably for their for their for their owners but so that the owners could pay them fees and pay them franchise fees. That is wrong in my opinion. And too many, and this is where I, you know, I, and, and, and Tim, my, you know, my buddy who tries to, who keeps me in check over in Nashville will tell me, Oh yeah, I know Tim. (laughs) He'll he'll tell me, Jim, U S soccer supporters don't care about this stuff. Why do you care so much about the finances to them? It's just a finance model. To me, it's the essence. It's the very essence of the sport in the country. And it's what makes it. So it's just, it, it really does burn me up. Now it burnt me up before the events of 2018, but the events of 2018, um, I like to say they radicalized me, um, in July of 2018 (laughs) <laughs> and, and that and that's what that's what gets under my skin. It's not so much, I mean, hell, yeah, they tried to kill my club, so that's not great either. But it, it's it's the fact that I think they are they are taking money, uh, and and I think I want to get I'll loop this around to the second part of our conversation. They are, I think, they're taking opportunity from people to get involved in the sport. And the 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 other thing that makes the franchises have value is the the fact that you own a territory and nobody else can come in there and do it. And if you get a cl- if you get a group of people that do something like forward, it looks great, right? And everybody says, "Oh, well, look at forward. They did it right." Are you saying that you wouldn't you want somebody else to come in and and try to compete with forward? What I mean, well, I okay, why not? I mean, I think they would probably lose right now the way forward is is operating. I don't know if anybody could come in and do that. But this idea that whoever comes into the market first is the one who's going to do it right, or were they going to maybe you know ignite interest? Uh, that was a pun. So you know, oh, the, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, the the first pre- people to wow. come in that you know that they'll do it right, and you lock out everybody else. Uh, that's the other problem I have with it. So, uh, you know, uh, this is a, a wonderful maybe segue. We talked about U.S. soccer to your second kind of thread where you said U.S. soccer is a mess. And then you went about calling everybody's out by their name and and saying what you didn't like about them. Uh, I appreciated this this tweet. After you talk about it, I'm going to I'm going to tell you the thing that made me laugh the most. We shared this before we started recording. Uh, but talk about that U.S. soccer is a mess tweet. So the U.S. soccer is a mess. I think that had to. I think that was only last week. It feels yeah, it like was. a long time yeah, ago. It was, <laughs> but it was. I think it was between the Real Salt Lake VLH mess, and then you had the strike. And I think I, I had just about had it at that point. I was hitting my breaking point. I probably should have just stayed off social media for my own 
mental health, but I pretty much just said, here's why U.S. soccer is a complete and utter mess. And then I started MLS and explaining how MLS started taking credit for getting these players to strike and protest these games in the wake of everything that happened with Jacob Blake. And thankfully, there was a couple of players that were like, no, this was, you're not taking this credit for something that we did. So you had that, and then you had Orlando and Nashville still play their match when everyone else decided to postpone. You have the owners that you have owners that are out here making racist and sexist remarks. The only thing is that's probably most of the owners in the league. It's just that that one got caught. You have that. You also have MLS pretty much being run by Don Garber, who wanted to try and fight supporters not having a iron front symbol in their stadium because he's worried about losing sponsors or losing money or upsetting people. And it's like, you have to take a, almost like you're not caring about your own morals just for the sake of trying to make your brand as neutral as possible. And if you're going to try and do that, you're just going, you're adding to the problem. There's probably more with them. Well, Kyle, to, that, to that point, I mean, I mean, Don Garver came from NFL. I mean, he was uh, over NFL, NFL before he came to MLS. So when you look across at, at NFL and you look at Roger Goodell and you look at how that's been handled and, you know, the, the racial issues that they've had on that side and how they've mishandled them. It, and, and you always they always talk about how Goodell is all about, you know, defending the crest. I mean, I don't think Garber is any different in that matter. And they're always going to be late to the game uh, for making any substantial uh, stance on any issue because they want to test the wind and see what the general public thinks before uh, they, they stick a foot out. And, and that's just, I think that's because the league was always built and modeled after the NFL model. And I think they've, even to the point of the way Don Garber handles his business. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of, when you think of American sports, you look at the NFL and the NBA, because those are the two that are worth more than any other American sports league combined, I'm pretty sure. So when you find a way to model it and it's something, and it's American, how they go about it, it's an American way of doing it, which is why MLS is set up the way it is. If you're going to have those same things. Goodell pretty much works for the owners. So he's going to try and not piss off the owners because at the end, the owners are the one that's going to try and force them out, not the players, not the fans. Same thing with Garber. The owners are the one that are going to try and force Garber out if he is doing a terrible job because at the end, these owners need to make sure that their respective investments don't lose value in their eyes because of maybe something that MLS does. Same same general concept. They are more worried about how their brand looks to their sponsors, how their brand looks to the ones that are giving them the money the most, even though it's realistically the fans do as much as they can but what the fans could potentially give is not going to be the same as what a company like target or a company like espn what they're going to give so they're worried about how how are we not going to upset those that group and if the fans have to suffer from it they do but so that's my thought on it it is but yeah mls is modeled after the nfl because NFL has shown that it is worth a lot of money. 
So why not try and copy it? And it's also the same American structure. We don't want to do things like they do over in Europe because that would not work because it's Europe and we're America. <laughs> so MLS, that's their issue. Then it got the USL Championship, and it was kind of the same thing. They're part of the issue of why St. Louis FC are folding. They decided to try and play games in stadiums, which is a terrible idea when you're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm sure, again, I'm sure there's more that I had put. I'm just trying to remember what I had. Oh yeah, you, you, US- yeah, you went, you uh, you went after Demarco. Yep, Demarco is that's been beaten down enough, and I'm surprised he, the fact that he's got the low profile and all this is probably best for him. But yeah, so then you have someone like Demarco, and USL doesn't do anything. They don't take a stand. They don't do anything. They're just they close their eyes and act like nothing's going on. So that was, and then you got Tim Howard. I don't think that was included, but I might as well throw that in there. Um, then you get down to USL League One. Poor Madison decided to do a Henny Derby pack. Not a great idea to exploit black culture, especially when you have a rivalry that is started by two black supporters. So yeah, that I've already had talked to them and talked about. I don't want to rehash that anymore, but anyone that needs to know the backstory of that, they can probably Google it and find out. Um, you have Union Omaha. They put a Black Lives Matter tweet. They end up taking it down. Reason? Because they are worried that some of the comments that were being posted were vulgar and disgusting and they don't want people to see it. Well, that's what Black Americans go through and other minorities. They go through seeing and hearing comments like that all the time. I thought it was a weak cop-out and look cowardly to take it down. There, USL League Ones also play matches without fans. You still have the Chattanooga Regwolds. That still exists. So you got that. <laughs> then you get to the NWSL, racist owner. The white players are forcing the black players to kind of burden and do more with everything that's going on. Not a great look. I think there's something else. I don't remember, but there's that. Could you touch on that a little bit? Uh, because I'm not sure I'm familiar with what you're talking about, uh, speaking about with that. Yeah. So in NWSL, they had their challenge cup um, in June. Right. And they were the, and since they were the first professional sports league to come back, they kind of set the tone. Not according how, to ESPN, by the way. ESPN. Yeah. Apparently ESPN completely forgot about that, which they're not the only ones. Bleacher Report. Fox, they all keep forgetting somehow. <laughs> but so NWSL comes back, and the first match they have players kneeling as a sign of protest with everything that was going on with George Floyd in Minnesota. As the tournament kept on going, there and you had Alexi Loss saying dumb shit like he always does, but as the tournament kept on going, it wasn't necessarily that the players they're still kneeling or standing. They had this, the players decided they're going to keep the national anthem, even though that probably caused more problems than it solves. But the players had that. Later, after the tournament ends, uh, Midge Purse, who is a black U.S. women's national team player, was in an interview, and she was saying that they felt they had no support from NWSL, from teams, and from their own white teammates. Um, there was one instance, I think it was the second game of the whole tourney, Chicago Red Stars were playing, and it's, I think everyone recognizes Julie Ertz holding Casey Short while one of her teammates, Rachel Hill, is standing and kind of just half-assed putting a hand on her shoulder. After that match, they did not 
the Chicago Red Stars decided not to have Rachel Hill talk to the press. So not a good look. But it was just stuff like that where they felt like the black players had to shoulder this burden and explain and try and talk to their teammates and kind of explain, hey, this is all the things in the world and this is affecting us and this is why it bothers us and this is why we need allyship and support. So that was kind of the factor and that was what they were was kind of highlighting again it just showed that a lot of these teams and a lot of these players they put out a statement and they say they're there and they say they want to help out but don't actually do it or don't try and have the conversations to do so so that's what was going on with nwsl and that situation that was something that i had called out as well nisa um (laughs) they nisa i do not have enough dirt on slash if I really wanted to, I probably could have found more. But yes, for me, so I just have. said they had, they had the that, new. That, you know what? That's how that's how lack of relevancy pays <laughs> out right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kyle, I, I told you this before we started recording. So, you know, like you, I read this about U.S. soccer is a mess, and it, you you call out MLS, you call out USL, you 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 call out your own club, you call out the other club that you know that deleted the BLM, and I'm going down this, and I'm, I'm just waiting. And I see NWSL and, and the men's national team and the women's national team, and you're calling out like major issues. And then ne- next to Nisa, it says, "Owner subs himself in for perplexing reasons." <laughs> 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 I know, so I had to. Oh, I had to. It, so I know that I know you didn't. You probably you didn't intend that to be the comic relief that I got out of it, but. Um, I, I, uh, I really did laugh a lot when I read that there, cause there's so much more you could have said, like, like, um, you know, we, you know, we're, we're struggling with trying to, um, you know, trying try to league participation, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to get people to actually play. And, you know, we've got a, we've got a, a guy's vanity project for his son in the league. And so there, there's, there's all these kinds of things you could have, sh- you could have taken shots at and. It just, it just, it warmed my heart when I read that because it, it, it just made me laugh. Um, Nisa's the one of the few that I don't know <laughs> enough about Nisa, probably because I have less skin in the game with that one. Because like you know, MLS is MLS, USL with four maps, and I'm kind of just all in on knowing what the hell is going on with USL. And I think a lot of the people that I talk to and know have either a USL club, whether it's in League One or Championships. So I think for me, it was just it was a lot easier to figure out what's going on with all the other leagues either because i follow the leagues really closely or i have other people that follow it that know what's going on they're the ones calling out as well and then i get to nissan it's like there's probably more i'm not doing enough effort to find out (laughs) and and i feel like league participation is a little bit tough because i don't want to be too critical on that because covid (laughs) yeah you know i have been an avid oh but now now you follow chattagooner and so you're going to be well educated in no time with no built-in bias. That's right. Believe me. That's right. You'll be a straight shooter right down the middle. I mean, it is kind of funny we'll though because like we'll Nisa probably, got there. We'll probably have you turned on your own league. I mean, I don't think you'll need to do that. I'm sure there's going to be enough other crap that's going to go on that probably will do it for me. But it is it is kind of funny. Like, and then I heard Nisa gets their deal with BN. It's like, hey, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's cool. We still got that's a, we got crapped on for that. We got you know, <laughs> which I don't understand because yes, BN is not the best. No, it's not. It's not great. Yeah, it's, but, not even, it's not even really good. But it's it's ours. 
It's ours, Kyle. But it's, it's something that's accessible. You can yeah. go on an app on your TV or your phone right. and watch it a lot easier. It beats so the hell out of my Kuju. I'll tell you that much. I'm, I'm yes, ass- exactly. I'm ass- <laughs> yeah, so I'm assuming. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, all of those things in terms of U.S. soccer is a mess is a good segue to the other thing. So, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, we had to delay because of so I double booked us last week. I still so apologize for that. Um, and other stuff happened in between, uh, you referenced it along the way in your, in your U S soccer is a mess, uh, with what's been going on in, in Wisconsin and all over the country. And I would be remiss without talking about that a little bit. Um, I shared, you know, to, to all the folks listening, I shared with, with Kyle before I, you know, I really wanted to avoid because as soon as stuff happens, podcast producers across the country were like, Hey, Hey. Hey, go find go find me a go find me a black person to talk to. We got we got we got stuff to deal with now. And I, do I, they have to know about soccer? <laughs> no. Okay. So I I I really wanted to avoid that, but I don't think there's you can't avoid the conversation. And we missed an opportunity. I missed an opportunity last week to address some of the things. Chattanooga FC put out a statement that many that some people took um, took umbrage with uh, and. And so I, you know, I really wanted to, you know, to to touch base on that stuff. Um, and you, you know, again, it, it was part of really what you talked about, um, because in the middle of all of what you were saying is happening around around sports, Jacob Blake, the attempted murder of Jacob Blake, happened in your own state. Um, so before we get into that, I, re- I do want to give you a chance cause I, I am interested in this and I think it play, it, it's a, it would be a good way in to talk about what the work that you do with the flock and the work that you do with the Featherstone support, the Featherstone Flamingos. Uh, and, and if you could talk about the, the relationship between those two groups, how the, how the, the Featherstone Flamingos started what you want that to group to be. And really I'll say, you know, what, what do you think people should learn? Other clubs, other supporter groups should learn from what you are doing uh, with that group uh, to make their supporters group more inclusive, uh, more representative of their communities um, to be just more uh, to, to create an experience um, that is inviting to, to people from all backgrounds. Yeah, I'll start with the flock because that's short, sweet, and simple. Um, I'm an at-large director, so mostly I just try and help out with anything that I can within the board, whether it's looking at the bylaws or putting a vote on something while also running the flock's match day ops. So the audio stuff, visuals, so capos, drummers, make sure we have capos and drummers and make sure the balance the budget for that, flags, two poles, banners, stuff like that. So that's kind of what I do within the flock uh, with Featherstone. That is, so I guess like to backtrack a little bit, the flock is kind of this whole umbrella. that's kind of like overseeing in terms of Ford Madison's FC supporter groups. So you have the flock, which kind of oversees it all. And that's kind of more initially started as a general supporter group and it kind of grew into more, but under that, we kind of have some sub supporter groups if you kind of want to view it that way. So we have Labara 608, which is focused and driven by the Latin community. You have Mingle Ladies, which is a those that identify as women kind of driving that community. You have Ford Union, that's more 
of the community service aspect. And then you have Featherstone Flamingos, which is something that myself, April Kigan, and Chris Fox had started. And that we kind of noticed that there wasn't really a space for black people to kind of support soccer. And we wanted to change that. So that was something that we had created last year. Um, so the relationship between Featherstone and the flock, I mean, right now it's kind of more or less intertwined and complete, almost one thing at some point because I'm on the board and April's on the board and Chris is on the board. So we kind of are able to try and do double duty for that. But overall, what we want to do is just kind of have a supportive group that promotes black culture, celebrates black culture, and just informs people more about black culture. It kind of just gives us an option. It kind of just gives those an option that might not have ever thought of soccer as a sport to take seriously. You know, I think when you talk to young black children in terms of sports, it's football, it's basketball, depending on where you are, maybe hockey, depending on where you are, maybe baseball. If you got money, tennis and golf, you know, there, but there's not really soccer is never really one of those outlets for them. And I think you kind of see it more and more how there's a rise in prominent black players. You know, you can look at an Obama, you can look at a Sadio Mane, you can look at a Paul Pogba, you can look at Koulibaly and Jaden Sancho you, and Raheem Sterling. Like you have all of these black footballers that are gaining more and more recognition. And it just gives those kids a chance to see someone that looks like them that plays and that's, you know, as big of a player as they can be. And I think that's something that we want to do with Featherstone Flamingos is still give those in the Madison area a chance to understand, hey, there is this team that plays in your city and there's a space for someone that looks like you to be along groups of people that also look like you. So that's what we've been trying to do with Featherstone. Um, we've done, lately it's made a lot of fundraising and trying to help out Black-led organizations. Uh, this past weekend, we uh, had a fundraiser where we were doing matching pledges. So someone wanted to donate to the Black leaders organizing communities in Milwaukee. Um, we've worked with the YWCA. Um, we've, I personally have tried promoting you know, Urban Triage, and they're the ones that have kind of been organizing the protests and talking to the Madison City Council. Um, so those are some of the things that, I'm trying to do, and that's kind of what Featherstone was meant to be. It's meant to give black people a voice, but use soccer as an outlet and use soccer as a platform. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those things where down the road, you're going to see other supporter groups form. Cause I think if you really think about, it, there's only three or four black led supporter groups in the country. You have us, you have Footy Mob down in Atlanta. You have Black Fires over in Chicago. And then in Richmond, you have uh, Elliot, who does a podcast, the River City 93 podcast. And honestly, he's probably the most prominent Richmond kicker supporter people know because he's it, just who he is. And he wants to make sure to try and give Black people a space in soccer. And I think what teams could do and should do is just – give them a chance to do what they want and give them a chance to leave and kind of just let them in the, let them in the room and actually hear what they have to say. Because when supporter groups talk about trying to be inclusive and trying to be diverse, I think they try and 
they do want that to be a thing, but they don't take the steps to really make it a thing. Like they'll say, yes, we want black people. We want Latin people. We want women to be involved in our supporter group. But then they're doing things that kind of give them this, give those group of people this view of, I don't think they actually want us here. They're maybe it's comments that makes a woman feel uncomfortable, or maybe it's a comment that, isn't necessarily racist, but it has a lot of microaggression undertones with it. And I think that's something that you just have to pay attention to is just what you're saying and how you're saying it. And also making sure that if someone has these concerns or someone has these ideas, you take it seriously. Um, Just because there's nothing that can demotivate a supporter from wanting to be involved, then that supporter thinking that no matter what they do, it's never going to be viewed seriously and it's never going to be taken into account it's just going to be brushed off to the side so for yeah for clubs and supporter groups i would just say try and practice what you preach in terms of being inclusive being diverse and giving and helping out those supporter groups you know you don't have to run the show you don't have to necessarily do anything you just have to say if there's legitimately ways i can help and then actually doing using that to help Maybe if there's a fundraiser that a Latin supporter group's doing, you you just tweet out the support. You show up. You promote it. Or, you know, try and find if there's someone that you maybe want to have. Let's say you, if you guys were ever to have players on your podcast, maybe trying to make sure to get a, a person of color on your podcast. <laughs> maybe get someone Look, man, like I probably had one tonight. Turns out you're <laughs> the wrong call for yeah, I, I I have to apologize for that. That's how I kind of suckered you guys into getting me on here in the first place. I think is because of like, well oh, played, Kyle Carter, yeah, that well played. Fans are gonna hear that and they're like, oh, this is not what I wanted. But you know, just stuff like that. I think it's just to kind of tie it all into one, making sure that the minority groups and the groups that are normally underrepresented actually feel like they have a spot at the table and have their voices heard is going to go much farther than just simply say we are inclusive and we're a diverse group. So on the on the heels of that, uh, how did you feel about the USL coming forward with their Black Players Alliance? Uh, was it a necessary thing? Do you say it's a good thing? It's definitely a good thing. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it because I think when it comes to, I don't want to say negotiations or collective bargaining agreements, but there's never a lot of black players that are in those leadership type roles. And I think because of that, maybe some of the things that are being fought for don't necessarily take into account that it actually, it doesn't help black players. And I think having just having that black player coalition, you know, with the examples of the strikes that are going on, I think it's good to have it for that reason where you can consult with those players and if those players say, no, we can't do this. Let's not play. Then at least, you know, okay, we're not going to play or you, you at least get their thought process on it. You get their input on it. I think for those players, it gives them a chance to really feel comfortable. And as a, like, like I was saying, at least feel like they're involved and they're a part of it. Um, I also think it's a good space for those players just to, talk with people that look like them that understand the same hardships and the same stress that they might be going through as well so i think it's absolutely necessary just because it at least gives them a space and i think it would be cool 
if there was one for an LGBT, if there was like an LGBTQ group, if there was one for a Latin group, if there was one for an Asian group, if there's one for, you know, if there's, if each race and sexual orientation could have that space where they can talk within, with each other and then bring whatever issues they have to, you know, either the greater player association or to the league themselves. So I think it's a good thing. I don't, I think it's necessary just so you also don't try and say something and miss the mark on it. At least if you say something, you can draft up a statement, send it over to the black players union and they can kind of go back and say, no, you don't want to say like, you don't want to say this or you should add this or this. We just got to go back and start over. And that way it just helps that main group as well, because then they don't look like complete morons putting out a bad statement as well. And then it also lets those players hold the league and hold those teams. of uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? Wow. Accountable. It's, it's, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Accountable. So, <laughs> so that's, yeah, it's definitely something that's good. And I think it's something that I wouldn't be surprised if every level of soccer has one in some capacity. So you, you bring up a, a point about issuing statements and what, I'm interested in your thoughts about the the range of the range of ways that we have seen different clubs and organizations uh, voice support, whether that is issuing statements, whether that is having students as uh, students. I'm I'm still in in my work mode. Sorry, having players uh, demonstrate during or before a national anthem. What what is your what is your take on the on the range of those and and what do you think it says? I, you know, because when when the first, I can't remember who were the who the first uh, teams that came out and said that they were not going to play the following week. I don't remember who that was, but I remember thinking as as we saw the uh, the 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 games in the NBA start to get postponed, uh, we we start we saw MLS, we saw USL, and then I quickly realized you know at some point every club is going to be asked this question. Are you going to play? And I think I said something like, it's going to be very interesting to see who plays this next weekend and what people say or think about the clubs and leagues that do. Um, what, 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 did, what was your take on those, the, uh, the differing approaches? Um, and, you know, is there a, a common denominator that you look for in, in how an organization, a soccer team, a club, a franchise, how they uh, react to to what they see going on in the world. I think I can use Ford Madison because they postponed their game. That was something that we as Featherstone hadn't brought up and talked about. And then we ended up talking to the players and seeing what their thoughts were. And the players had made their decision and then they went to the owners and then the owners were able to talk to the league and talk to North Texas. So that was, something that we had done in our process. But for Madison and North Texas, that was the only match in USL League One this past weekend that got postponed. Richmond had a statement. I think, I don't know if any other teams had statements. I think Charles Jordan Tormenta might have had one. Richmond Kickers had one for sure. Omaha had a Black Lives Matter, then they deleted it. But I think the, the bigger thing was, did you at least have that conversation with your players? Um, if they had the conversation with the players and the players and especially the black players felt like they had the power to make the decision, 
then I was okay with whether a team played or not because I just wouldn't want the players to talk about it and then maybe the black players to say, I don't think we should play, but then they get you know more or less forced into playing or feeling guilty that they felt that way. That would be a problem. And so far, it doesn't seem like that's been the situation with any games that did or that did happen um so i think it's just more if the players wanted to play or if the players felt like playing would be the best option then that's fine with me i have no issue if a team played or not putting out a statement at this point doesn't really mean much to me if because i mean how many times are you going to see a statement that says oh yeah we what happened is unacceptable and we don't tolerate racism and things need to change and blah 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 well, none of those statements matter if you're not actually doing stuff to combat these issues. You know, if you're not if you're not doing anything, then don't bother putting out a statement because then your statement just looks hollow. And as much as I want to give Chattanooga Red Wolves crap for it, they have not put out a statement. But at the same time, I don't think they would have done anything after said statement. So is that really, it just seems a little hypocritical and it just seems like you're only doing it because you feel like you have to do it and everyone else is doing it. If you believe in your statement and you put action to your statement, then you can put out a statement. But if you're not going to put in the effort and put in the work, don't bother. That's kind of been my thought process at this point because we are now three months since all the protests and all the statements revolving around George Floyd. And I can't, and you know, that's kind of a question that, and I put a tweet out there saying supporter groups need to hold their clubs, teams, franchises more accountable because if you, if they said they put up the statement and they said they're going to try and help with racial issues, but they haven't done anything to help it, then the statement that they put out months ago, it was just, it, it wasn't unjust. It wasn't, a sincere statement it was just a statement it was just words that they put out there so that they didn't get dragged on the internet and i think that's where i think that's where everyone i think most people need to pause in maybe the statement isn't the best statement but and i think that's kind of what i found interesting with chattanooga is a lot of people were a little bit harsher on them but i think that's just because chattanooga has been one of those clubs that have put in the work and actually shown to be about it they've you know they they seem they've always been viewed as one of the good clubs that like they actually practice what they preach they have the good morals they're kind of the driver they're the ones that you see as kind of setting the bar almost so then if maybe they put out a statement that doesn't match that bar that people have for them that could be potentially why some may view their statement as a little bit weak or whatever but yeah just actually do stuff at this point <laughs> i don't i don't want your statements i don't want your words i want I want you to explain how you're going to do it. And I, you don't have to go out there and protest. You don't even have to go out and try and fix everything. But if you're giving black voices more, if you're putting out more black voices and giving them a chance to give their side, give their side and give their stories, good. If you're allowing a fair process in terms of letting people vote, whether it's helping them register to vote or even making your stadium a voting station. Great. If you're simply saying, we're going to do this fundraiser and these funds go to an NAACP chapter or a YWCA or whatever local organization and bail fund, 
that's fine. If you have players going out and talking to those in the community, you know, just there's so many things that you can do. So just try and find a way to do it. And you don't have to make a grand like a grand statement saying this is what we're doing. Just you can do something and not mention it. You can do something, and not put out a statement and try and get press free press on it. That's totally fine as well. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say I think you echoed a. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say first, uh, the Red Wolves actually did put a statement out. Uh, they they put one out after, well after their match, um, because mm, I sorry. had <laughs> so, somebody. I think uh, somebody on Twitter, you know, uh, somebody a USL supporter took a shot at uh, at Chenega at our at our statement, and you know, I, I've I've made my thoughts about the statement known, and I don't you know, I don't need to rehash it here. I I know what the I know the heart of the club, so um, you know. The, the words could have been better in my opinion, but that's not, that's not the important thing. Um, so they, but they took a shot at it and I'm like, dude, you can, you can criticize our statement all you want. Well, why don't you go look for the other club in our town who plays against your team? Look at, look for their statement. They've said nothing over the last three months. Well, then like, I don't know, five, two days later, um, they did issue, they did issue a statement. I don't know. They've not done anything. But uh, they did. They did. But Jim, there was there was a rumor that they had um, actually issued a statement at the game, but nobody was there to corroborate <laughs> the story. <laughs> well, you know, and you couldn't see on the camera because no. there was a well, pod that was blocking the view. Oh well, yeah, and there are no lights. Yeah. So um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but really, what you mentioned just echoes, you know, my, you know, something that I tweeted it, in regards to people like kind of taking CFC to the you know woodshed about their statement. I said, you know, these words mean absolutely nothing. The only thing that matters is what you go do. And and I had kind of uh, spoke to a CFC representative who, who basically said as much. The players wanted to go out and make their own statement, which they were going to do at the game. The interesting thing about the CFC situation was they kind of had their hand, like, forced in the sense of, you know, uh, New Amsterdam canceled – uh, the game. So they really, you know, CFC players, the ball had been put in their court and they wanted to play because they wanted to make a public statement uh, in front of uh, what it sounds like was going to be really close to the, uh, the allotted sellout of 2,200 fans. You know, they wanted to make that statement to a captive audience. And, you know, New Amsterdam, I'm sure, would have been welcome to participate in that. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, to this point, they haven't got a chance to do it. So I think it caught CFC a little off guard. Uh, because they had put all their eggs in being able to make their public statement at the game in a, in a grand gesture, and and probably they wanted to do something also that that had some teeth to it, you know, to say you know we are going to do this, you know, our history suggests that we back up what we say, and uh, I think they they wanted to do something that was special, and uh, you know the rug kind of got pulled out from them. Yeah, there was some frustration, uh, I believe. That, I think that's part of what was. You know, I think what led to the statement. I think there was some frustration, not with New Amsterdam. I I, I want to make that clear. I I don't think anybody was taking a shot at them and saying, "Hey, you know, you should do it the way we do it." Um, I think that the the players and and the folks I've talked to have made it very clear that if New Amsterdam wanted to uh, take that opportunity to make the statement by postponing, that's fine. It, it was just disappointing. Maybe that's a better word. It's disappointing that the, our players really were looking forward to making a statement in the state of Tennessee in front of, in front of people that, you know, that probably some need to hear it um, and need to see it and need to see players that they support. 
uh, taking a stand. And, and there was some frustration there um, and some hurt, really, when when folks took took shots at the statement. I think the players internalized it, and and you saw some of that. I saw I saw some of it when. When they when the club did give the players an opportunity to share personal stories um, on Saturday night, I was incredibly pleased with the the club using their platform to allow the players to get up and say this is this is our experience. This is our experience in our community um, in Chattanooga. Not you know you you can you can say things about what's happening in Wisconsin or you know in in, um, in other places around the country. But this is happening right here in your backyard, and you know, I think that's what they wanted to be able to say and stand up. And, it, and there was a little bit of hurt, uh, and I saw that that night. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what the players do and what the club does going forward. Because Kyle, I agree with you. You know, it's one thing to say a statement. We've been saying statements. You know, we've been sending thoughts and prayers for, you know, 500 years. So. You know, it's it, well. I guess we. It's have the same a, thing with the school shooting. You know, everyone gives their thoughts and prayers. It's like, right. but what are you doing to not let this happen again? Exactly. And exactly. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you spending. Oh, Todd, before before uh, Todd, you got anything else on your list of questions for uh, for our our um, defensive midfielder, Cal Carr? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you see your role in the squad evolving over the coming season? Uh, I'm just no, trying to no, get better. Uh, but, yeah, I just grind every day. No, no, I, I appreciate you coming on, Kyle, and uh, I hope you feel like you you had your say on the podcast. Is, is there anything else you you just uh, feel like we we uh, we missed? Not off the top of my head, but I'm sure as soon as I leave, I'm gonna be like, oh damn it, there was some. That's what I should have talked about. But no, I I appreciate both of you having me on and. Letting me rehash and try and explain my side of the rants that I have. Sometimes I go on rants and they sound very illogical, and my wife would 100% agree on that. <laughs> well, it was a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, you know, anytime, you know, earlier, earlier you said you said you you you, you tried to uh, fool your way into the podcast by by using your name. Kyle, no one is fooling their way onto this podcast. I mean, nobody's trying. <laughs> nobody's trying to get onto this onto this forum. So I appreciate the thought, but you say that, but you double booked the podcast last week. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did double. I did, I did double book the podcast. Yeah, we we really need. You know that those producers I was talking about earlier. I you know I really I really need one of those. We need we we really need one of those producers, Todd. If we can, if we can find somebody who. Who can who can keep this stuff straight? I'm on it. Yeah. So, uh, Kyle, again, a pleasure to have you on. All the you know the best of luck to to you to the supporters group. Uh, uh, you know, I I look. You know, I am I'm very interested to to look at what Featherstone does and what their flock does and how how that can better inform what our supporters section does and. And what we do uh, down in Chattanooga, I, you know, I, I look around our stands, and I don't see the the representation uh, of our community, and it does worry me a little bit. It does, and and I'm not taking shots at anyone. Um, you know, I, we we do we our, our our supporters do a lot of a lot of work. The Chattahooligans do a lot of work in the community, but when I look at the Nuga section, which is not their section, but the other the other supporters. I don't see a lot of, of Chattanooga there and it, it's, it's concerning to me. And 
So, um, you know, I will be watching what you guys do up in Madison to, 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 uh, to make that group, to make the crowd that shows up wherever it is you play, if you're playing in Madison, or if you decide that you're just going to go play in somebody else's, some other, some other club's venue. <laughs> um, Depends on the county guidelines and COVID. <laughs> so wherever you play where, you know, that, and, and whenever you're allowed to have fans show up, that those supporters look like the community that they're, that the club is, is, is representing. So, uh, again, it's a, it was a great pleasure to have you on. We'll try to maybe I, we have a quota for how many USL supporters we can have. And so, um, this is the we first. We just exceeded it. Yeah. We've just, we just <laughs> succeeded it. So we'll have to see, uh, what we, what we can do, but for, for a US, USL supporter, you seem like a pretty, you seem like a pretty stand up guy. So, uh, thank, I try my best to at least not be the worst. <laughs> That's great. Hey, that's all we can hope for, right? Uh, so again, thanks a lot, and uh, and good luck to you going forward. Hey, a big thank you to Kyle Carr uh, for even though he doesn't play for CFC, we want to thank him for coming on the podcast. Uh, once again, it's brought to you by Dose Bros, who reminds you to eat local and ball local. Uh, he really brought a, a unique and interesting perspective, I think, to a lot of things that are going on. Uh, first of all, he brought a USL <laughs> perspective to things, which now I don't think I'm going to be able to go home and eat dinner. So there's that. But then he, he really did bring a, a good perspective on uh, everything that's going on in the country with with race and how it you know relates back to soccer and you know what why we're all here listening and doing this podcast. Uh, appreciate you both listening, uh, Jim. I mean, what uh, what kind of struck you uh, about you know, anything like stand out to you? I mean, I, I knew, you know, from following him on Twitter and, and, uh, and, and just listening to his voice on the, uh, on the, uh, on their podcast, the forward Madison podcast, you know, I, I knew he'd be a good guest and, and, and it, you know, I, I really enjoyed speaking with him. Uh, it was, you know, an interesting t- kind of tweet, uh, thread that, that brought us together in terms of a conversation about us soccer and, and USL versus the, uh, you know, versus you know nisa and chattanooga red rules versus chattanooga cf or cfc and so i you know i i really enjoyed having him on i you know i wanted him to you know we didn't have a we didn't have a match this you know last well we were going to have one last week but it it got postponed this was going to be a week where we didn't have a match so i thought hey this would be a great time we'll call it a moral victory (laughs) this would be a great week to to kind of sneak in a conversation about like U.S. soccer, and then, you know, the stuff happened in Wisconsin, and and when when I realized that I missed the opportunity to really talk about this with you last week, you know, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to miss it twice, uh, and and so there was, it's a nice little bit of um, kismet, I guess, uh, that, that we couldn't talk to him last week, and and so now we're talking to him this week. We 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 don't have a a match to focus on, um, you know, we could spend time with him and, and focus on things that are, you know, a little more important than, than just a, a soccer match. So I, I thought it was a great conversation. I really want to have him on again to, you know, you know, you and I just talked to him a little bit more after we stopped recording about the relationship between the, the various, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, subgroups of the flock 
the other supporters groups that kind of make the flock up and, and, you know, what the relationship is like and what that means for supporters and, and all of those kinds of those conversations that I think are really important. You know, I, I think I'd love to have him back on when we have another break to, to further the conversation about, you know, about what that means and, you know, what it means for, for their supporters group. What is it, what does it, what does it mean for their supporters culture and how does that, how can we look as a supporters culture in Chattanooga? How can we look at that and, and learn how, you know, some ways to, to do things better and to, to make sure that our stands look like the community that, uh, that Chattanooga FC serves. I mean, it's, it's right there in the mission that they want to use. We want to use the game of soccer to to create a better community, to create a better city. And we need everybody to feel comfortable. We need everybody to feel like they have a place. And uh, so you know, I'm interested to hear more about what he has to say and what the flock has to say about how they're doing that in, uh, in Madison. So Todd, anything else you want to talk about? We, uh, we don't have a match to talk about. We had a little bit of news. We had a player, a quote-unquote, new player, or maybe more accurately, a player who has returned home, uh, show up and, and make a statement during the the uh, YouTube um, presentation by the players on Saturday evening, Wilfred Williams. Um, any thoughts? Yeah, defender. Yeah, we got us another defender. Um, you know, and I mean, I feel like we're, we're – you know, we went from being like really sparse in defense and I feel like we're starting to get some depth there. And then I kind of look at how we kind of drop like flies up top. Uh, we got, you know, Santiago is, uh, uh, Santiago Dello is out. And, uh, we also have, uh, Caleb is out. Caleb Jackson's out. So, you know, we're starting to look a little thin up there, but hopefully yeah. they'll be returning, you know, in the near future. Uh, but no, I mean, anytime you can add a quality player, especially the one that's been with us before, uh, you know, it, it speaks to, um, you know, his quality, uh, both, uh, his character, uh, and, and his playing ability. So we're happy to have him back. Uh, he comes to us, uh, from, uh, Oakland roots. Uh, so especially yep. anytime you can steal from somebody else in the league to make yourself better is good. That's right. He's also played a little bit with Detroit city. He's, uh, he, a couple of years ago played here a little, um, also. So, um, reading from the clubs, uh, the we're going to ignore. We're going to ignore all those other previous stops. <laughs> he was a fourth round M- draft uh, pick, MLS Super Draft by uh, Sporting Kansas City, and uh, went to school at Oakland University. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, I'm looking forward to having more options in defense. Uh, you know, like you know, when we did our roster review with Coach right before the season started, I you know I made the joke that we you know hey we've got. We've got four defenders. <laughs> um, we've got four, so you, you need more than four, and so we've 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 uh, we've signed some additional folks, and so I'm I'm pleased by that. Um, so we've got no matches. Hey, uh, Nisa news. Nisa we got news. a little bit of Nisa news. Uh, yeah, uh, they uh, added a, uh, I guess, a partnership with the Midwest Premier League, uh, which apparently is like a, a fairly new league, and that adds to their. Uh, affiliation that we all that nisa also has with the uh gulf coast uh league when did the gulf they, coast league well, yes w- yeah the gulf when did they announce that did they announce that today weren't you in a meeting earlier today well yeah, I, I was in meetings all day today so if well if, there you go 
so so we, it's a similar relationship as we have with the Gulf Coast League. So now it's the, the that's mid- my understanding. It, they just released a uh, a statement. It looks like they'll be given uh, two spots, two spots that can be earned into the NISA Independent Cup. Uh, so that's right now that that's the association. I absolutely love it. It sounds I, very very similar. Yeah, I, I I absolutely love it. I hope I hope we bring in the Maryland majors. I hope we. I hope we do uh, the same thing with some other regional leagues. I think this is exactly what NISA needs to be doing: is creating relationships with those with those regional leagues uh, and the clubs in them. You know, I, I I'm I'm excited about it. I didn't I hadn't I didn't know that you broke news with me. I I didn't uh, I haven't been on Twitter that much this afternoon. Uh, I've been in COVID world on uh, on campus. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, I'm all for it. I, I'm you know I'm still excited about BN sports as excited as you can be about, about that. So, uh, and then we got some, we got some, I think some very positive news out of California. Did you see that? The statement from San Diego that they, they are excited. Yeah. San Diego's coming back. Yep. So, you know, people were worried about, uh, them being, you know, kind of disappearing on us. And so I, I was really excited and pleased to see the, their statement, uh, it's interesting that um, you know they they had statements from multiple owners, but no Eden Hazard. So that's that's interesting. Dimba Ball was there, and then there's some other dude who's an owner. I don't know, uh, but uh, Hazard wasn't wasn't listed. So wondering if uh, if he's still involved with the with the organization or not. But the fact that they're going to be back and playing. You know, makes me feel good. Uh, it it's it uh, again. We have to we have to keep that at least eight to keep the you know to keep the uh, U.S. soccer wolves at bay. So um, yeah, it was it was pleasant, but a pleasantly a pleasant surprise to to see that announcement also this week. Yeah, I thought back in the fall, like they showed some promise both with their support and with their play. So uh, yeah, happy to have them back and you know be in a a, a city like San. Or Nisa to have a presence in a city the size of San Diego. I, I think it bodes well. So no match this weekend. Uh, you're gonna sit back and watch some of the other Nisa action, or you got you know you got other things to do. Mm, I'll probably be checking into other things. I'm on call all weekend, oh. so I'll probably be like sitting on the couch. But you know that reception out here in Studio C is not that optimal. <laughs> so yeah, I'll right. probably be uh, I'll probably just be trying to lay low all weekend. All right. Well, Todd, you go lay low this weekend. I'm gonna check out some Nisa action here and. Also spend the weekend pretty much in COVID world, COVID world uh, with uh, with UTC. So, Todd, we got uh, we'll be back next week with I guess we'll be getting ready for the brand. the The brand comes into town, the New York Cosmos. So maybe we'll reach out to our friend uh, John up there with uh, First Team Pod and maybe have a conversation with him next week. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in on this episode. Uh, hey, catch us on Twitter. Uh, you can find me, the great footballer at great footballer on Twitter. Jim, what's it can they hit you up at? Uh, you can block me, mute me, follow me at Chattagooter on Twitter. And I've already done every single one of those within a 24-hour span. So, hey guys, uh, keep it blue, keep it CFC, and until we see you next time, go Blues, go CFC. Oh, Florida!